Hello and welcome to our bonus episode of Saint Lu- of our Saint Lunatics podcast. We have this wonderful opportunity here to do an extra episode since we spent way too much time talking about St. Louis City SC on our last episode. Here we're going to focus on our St. Louis Cardinals. There's one very big important thing to talk about as well as our St. Blue- Louis Blues, which also have a one very big thing to talk about. John, my co-host, what do you have to say? Oh God, what do I have to say? Well, you guys may notice that we are wearing That's great. the same clothes so what I was saying, that no. we just wore. And the reason for that, because I'm going to ignore you trying to uh, be funny because you're not good at that, is that we are recording the same night. We do own multiple pairs of clothes in general. But yes, we are recording the same night, so we are wearing the same clothes. I promise this is not like a gross thing. I am going to go ahead and throw out, we are recording, it is Thursday, the 21st Mm. of September. So whatever we say, if they're like, oh, those stats aren't accurate, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Probably old, we're going to post these a couple days apart so that you uh, have some extra content leading it to start off your week next week. But there is some exciting things. A quick recap, uh, we did go one and two against the Phillies. I know uh, John and I were at one of those games and I want to highlight something here. John and I have been to how many games together in our, our lifetime? Way too many to count. You know, it's a lot. Let's just leave it at that. It's a lot of games. John and I have a love for Cardinals baseball and a love for going to games together. That is hard to beat. What might have finally beat that was watching our children sit there watching the game together and talking and pointing and looking over the railing and to see our kids who are four days apart in age Mm -hmm. (laughs) sitting there enjoying the game together. I don't know that there's anything sweeter. So for those of you who aren't uh, friends with us or know us personally, you know, just so you know, being a father is probably my favorite job. And by probably, I mean it is um, even more so than this podcast. But that's just because I have to do with John when I'm doing this. That's right. <clears throat> so we and... did go and that game. So this is what I would love to point out about this game. They made a huge deal about pace of play and moving faster. We were three plus hours into that game and we just starting the seventh <laughs> inning. And we had to leave early because we had little ones. Yeah. I mean, when you've got, th- I had a three and five year old, you had a three year old. She's so much for pace of play. Uh, apparently they forgot all about keeping it sped up on the night that we were there. I guess we got our money's worth uh, as far as games go. I mean, we got to see Next, Harper thrown out for throwing a fit like a baby. So that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. First of all, the belts that the Phillies were in that night, Whatever bling they had was amazing. They had like a sparkle to them. Then the lights hit them. Looked like they were wearing like legit like jewel encrusted (laughs) belts. I thought it was cool as shit. Um, Hey, by the way, we're a note bleep podcast. So if you didn't already know, make sure you uh, are aware of the explicit content, which is marked on Spotify. You're welcome. 
The other big Mark, thing. We I, did it. <laughs> <laughs> we got the disclaimer out of the way so, early this time. <laughs> no, watching Harper go and bitch like a little girl and they get thrown out of the game was incredibly uh, fulfilling for me to watch, uh, especially live. And then, you know, we again, we left the game. I kept I actually listened to the game on the radio the rest of the way home to listen to us lose. We left 15 runners on base that game. 15. Yeah. And you could. Yeah, you could tell like over nine innings. It's in that we lost by one, by the way, who aren't for the people who aren't aware. We lost by one run that game. Yeah. And it's just we're missing that one hit. And I think. This is the thing that I've thought about is that our pitching has put us in such a hole that our offense is pushing so hard to mm-hmm. make up that difference that that is where we're seeing some of those offensive well, declines. I don't necessarily think, again, I think Arenado and Goldie had great years. I mean, phenomenal years yesterday. You expect them to take a step back. But I think that our offense as a whole is really pushing and just trying to make up that difference that our pitching is really kind of fucking us for. Well, I think it's about situational hitting, situational baseball, right? Um, if you think about analytics, it, we, don't believe in that. Ask yeah, Ollie. Well, I'm not gonna not gonna talk about that, even though he's gonna be our manager again next year, whatever. Um, you know, we're getting on base, as we just evidenced. We left 15 of them on base last night, or a week ago, almost. I mean, we get into good positions and spots where we should be winning. We should be closing out games, and we can't do that last little bit that we need. And I think it's because we're not, like you said, we're not going for bunts because that's not part of the modern game. We're not trying to get a sacrifice fly. We're just trying to hit home runs. Like, it – we're not. We're, we haven't been working counts as well in the in the positions that we need to to keep these innings alive. You know, it's one thing if like a single guy or a couple guys are getting on base every inning, but if the guys behind them are not getting on base, it doesn't matter. If you're not working them through to home, it does not matter. And John knows a thing or through thing or two about working things all the way through. Kelsey, you're a lucky lady. Now. <clears throat> What I would like yeah, to follow up the with, though, so we've, we, <laughs> it's the fact that she's lucky. We know that mm-hmm. she loves me more than you. So she'll never hear this, though. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I tell her every time we see each other. So it's fine. So we did lose the series, went one and two against the Phillies. So you know what? Let's, you know, Cardinals have been playing pretty well. We talked about it in the last episode. We won multiple series. Let's go into Milwaukee. Let's, let's get a series win. Let's ruin their season, right? <clears throat> We went one no. and three, and that absolutely blows, except for I don't care because we won the only game that mattered in this series. Absolutely the only that? game. If Tell those of listeners. you who are not aware, uh, John and I were going to record this episode a couple of days ago, and we both kind of were under the weather, so I apologize. But Adam Wainwright, who you might have heard in some of our earlier episodes, is my favorite cardinal well he's um, kind of a big deal they might have heard of him in general well <laughs> that that just hit i meant it, it took I you meant, a moment <laughs> i meant the part about him being my favorite cardinal my first jersey that i paid for with my own money mm-hmm. hey, uh, adam wait adam wainwright second yes or no 
Oh, oh shit. Okay. Favorite current Cardinal that is not Adam Wainwright. Not Arenado, not goalie. You son of a bitch. Newt Bar. Hmm. I like it. Good choice. Okay, please continue. You were saying. If I if I had to pick a second, it's Tommy, it's Tommy baseball, but so Adam Wainwright, uh, as we talked about previously, finally got num- win number 199. And wouldn't you know it, second, the very next start he has uh, against a division rival at home, goes seven innings, shutout baseball, three strikeouts, two walks, vintage Adam Wainwright. And now we have win number 200 and a one to nothing win. I also want to throw out Rake. Was it Ray King? Am I, I'm probably date uh, John King. Last name was King. Ray King was uh, back in, uh, I think 2011 was a reliever. So I just aged myself a little bit as far as Cardinals mm-hmm. fans go, but the guy came on and, and left your reliever looked pretty solid uh, mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah. He started to get into a little bit of trouble. And this is what I'd like to highlight is Helsley came on, struck out the batter for the third out in the eight in the eighth. Mm-hmm. Comes on in the ninth and just shut them down the way that you hope a closer would. It was a beautiful ball game to watch. Uh, but the one, my favorite moment, absolute favorite moment of the game was in the seventh inning. So, John, I don't know if you were watching the game or not. So I was watching it on my TV. I don't I know you were you were listening and tracking through well, it because you were in between work and stuff, but right. I, yeah, I wasn't... Ollie came out to visit a mound visit in the seventh inning. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Wayno's <laughs> up there on the mound. Libertor had been warming up. And if you didn't know, Libertor, mind you, struggle a little bit in the starting rotation, but they've been using in high leverage uh reliever situations. He's looked good. He kind of Get a, get a good, good field, maybe. And he has looked amazing in that role. And Libertor had been out there warming up. Ollie starts walking to the mound. Matthew Libertor starts walking to like he's coming on the field. And Ollie stops and waves him back and is like, right. hold on a minute. I got to talk to right. Wayno. Right. So he goes up. He talks to Wayno. He, he asks Wayno, do you want this guy? And Wayno goes, mm. yeah, I got him. And at this time, it's, you know, uh, who, God, who was he facing? I knew this I know, right before the, watch it. the episode started. Um, I was on GameCast, but I was working out, and I missed the uh, missed when they pulled him out. Rowdy Telez, sorry, it took me a minute. Oh yeah, he was facing Rowdy again, and Wayne was like, "No, I've got it." First of all, I'm going to take a quick po- pause here on talking about the game. Rowdy Telez might be one of the best names in baseball right now. For an active player, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said I mean, we, right we now, have, like active, we, yeah. Right. Well, because, I mean, like, we have Stubby Clap and Pop Warner as coaches. Right. So, yeah, like, but, but, but as far as players go, there's not a lot of Stubby Claps or Pop Warners. Well, as that's players. why I specified players, but they're like names in baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, we need a good nickname for Shohei Otani. Um, something... When he comes to play for us next year. Yeah, yeah. once he comes to the Cardinals. But yeah. what I'd like to highlight, so Showtime moving back Shohei. to the game. <laughs> Done. Done. Got it. Nailed it. So Nailed it. <laughs> what, I, what I'm intrigued about here is we he comes out. Ollie talks to him. Wayno says no. 
I've got it. I'm going to get Rowdy Tellez out. I have this under control. He rolls with it. He ends up getting the out. He ends up going the rest of the inning, gets through the seventh, and then that thing's come on. But just the whole interaction of Ollie knowing, like, before I take this game from Wayno, I got to talk to Wayno. There's a, right. there's a level of respect there, and I have harped on on Ollie Marmal all season. Last year, I was praising him, and and we talked about this last ep- I think it was last episode of the episode might have been the Cardinals bonus episode. Mm. Bear with me here, but the biggest loss that the Cardinals took that wasn't a retirement was losing Skip Schumacher as bench coach. Oh yeah, for sure. That's not even like for debate. We don't, but but the problem is we don't talk about it. Everyone talks well, about, I mean, oh, well, we Albert retired and Yachty retired. You and I talk about it, but I'm saying people don't talk about it. Right, right. Losing Skip Schumacher is a huge loss. And and Ollie manages so much by the analytics and that right. this, this is what the numbers say I need to do. He doesn't take into account the baseball sense of the, I've been in this situation. Right. I know what this feels like. And Skip helped balance him out so much. Yeah. But so speaking this of is that, nothing that to take away visit. from the fact that... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so did you read Katie Wu's article on that mound visit in The Athletic? I did not. Oh, I saw it. She put one out. You've got, I mean, yeah, she put out like three over win 200. And you guys know we are huge fans of Katie Wu's writing. Like, it's single-handedly... Katie Wu, come on here and talk to us, please. Yes, please come come talk baseball to us. Not talking baseball, because that's probably trademarked by John Boy, but just come talk baseball. Talk Cardinals with us. Um, but we are huge fans of her writing, and it seriously, it single-handedly makes a subscription to The Athletic worth it. Um, but one of the things she pointed out, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did, you know, now that you say that, like thinking back, I, I remember that, is um, so when Ali used to, you know, when he'd come out, to like tell Wayno, like, Hey, I'm, I'm pulling you like, come on, it's time. Right. Like early on in Ollie's career, Wayno would like pretty much talk him out of it. And then Ollie would go back to the, to the dugout. Well then like kind of like the last, like, I don't know, most of this year, maybe the end of last year, Ollie would walk out. And as soon as he came out, he would just, you know, point to the dugout or to the bullpen to you know get the next pitcher on and then he'd just walk up to the mound and say, No, I already waved. Change is official. You gotta gotta come out. Sorry. But that time he did not do that. And so, you know, I, I thought that that was that showed great awareness. And and we talked about it a lot with Lynn 199 that Ollie showed great awareness with the people that he was calling out of the pen, right? The specific pitchers that he was using. Like he wasn't going to give that away. And for as much crap as we've dumped on Ollie for for that, um, not only I'll this year but to last year, on Ollie, fair warning. Right, right, yeah. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I just I was very thankful for that. I mean, Adam Wainwright, Uncle Charlie, he's a he's a goddamn legend. There, there's nothing else to say about it. Like he's a freaking legend. He has given so much to our organization, and he deserves every bit of praise that we can give him. Period. End so something, something I want to that makes me incredibly happy. It looked like after win number one ninety nine, he got his mojo back. 
Oh, for sure. Uh, anybody who's watched uh, Austin Powers in the second yeah, edition, back, baby, I he can't got his mojo accent. back. <clears throat> I got my mojo back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm too <laughs> drunk to do the do accent either. Yeah. <laughs> also, going. this is our second episode we're recording in the same night. So I've been drinking quite a bit. I just spiked my Coke with like way too many shots of rum. So here's Someone's the thing. working remotely tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be at work. I just don't know what time. So or where <laughs> might be at home. <laughs> so first of all, Wayno's a legend. Um, there's not many pl- players and I, I got to pull up the stat. There was stat and something like there's not many people. There's like 2,200 who players who have hit, hit like, 10 mm-hmm. or 50, 20 yeah. home runs. 10 home runs. I, I saw Is it I 10, saw home 10, runs? 10 home runs. Yeah. It's like 2,100, 2,200 players that have hit 10 home runs. There's, you know, like 100 and however many players that have hit or have won 200 games. Right. As a starting pitcher. Yeah. There is one player who has done both. I just, I want to take a quick moment here with Wayno. Wayno, again, you know that I love Wayno. You know that I've always loved Wayno. I want to recap a couple of things for you here. This guy came up, and this is also something cool. I want to, I'm about to highlight in a minute, but <clears throat> Wayno came up, was pitching out of the bullpen, not necessarily a closer. We have the all-star closer, Trevor Isringhausen. Also, huge shout-out to Izzy. Uh, I have a signed baseball by Izzy because he came up after a game while I was standing around with my dad. It was the one game I went to in like a seven or eight year span. Izzy That's showed a... up and signed Trevor Isringhausen. Trevor Isringhausen showed up, signed up, showed up and signed my baseball. I got autographs by him, Matheny. Is so Isringhausen, Matheny, Steve Klein. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you sure about that day? Trevor Isringhausen. What did I mess up here? Jason Isringhausen. Jason Isringhausen. Yes. So here's a shout out. Trevor Isringhausen was a uh, wrestling partner, all state wrestler with me growing up. Uh, And I used to tease him because he had the same last name as Jason Isringhausen. You know, uh, you know, Jason Isringhausen went to Daniel Powell. Shout out Daniel Powell. um, High school. There's like, you know, we do a lot of shout outs. Yeah, we shout do a outs. lot of shout outs. Shout outs to uh, John Love here. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, keep going. Jason, Jason Isringhausen gets hurt. We lose our clo- our all-star closer for the year. End comes Adam Wainwright in 2006. Ends up being the stud closer that we needed. And was is able to push us and help us win the World Series. I don't think it can be underestimated. And again, my favorite game of the, the game that I think of when I think of Cardinals baseball is game seven of the NLCS, not the, the World Series, NLCS in 06. Yeah. It's Cardinals you know what game Mets. I think of? What do you think? No, here, of? you tell you tell me yours, and then I'll tell so, you. Mine. So it's game seven. You've got Yachty hitting, you know, hitting bombs, getting us runs. 
And then you have Carlos Beltran, the Cardinal killer for multiple years, both with the Mets and the Astros. Future Cardinal, God bless his soul. I love Beltran. Honestly to God, honest to God, I love Beltran. I think he's a great player, but she comes up to bat and Adam Wainer absolutely freezes him with that 12-6 curve. We win the World Series. And that is what I think of when I think of Cardinals baseball. I think of Yachty running out to, to Wainwright. Uh, well, maybe okay, Wayne Wright, by the, the way. That's the question that I thought you asked. Yeah. And so that is what I think of. And so you think about Wainwright truly in his first full year in the majors. He's, you know, in the in the bullpen, but is able to close out not just an NLCS, but then a World Series. Comes back as a starter. We have four top three finishes in the Cy Young. And I believe it's 08, 09, 12, and 13, or 13, 14. Pretty much around his multiple shoulder and elbow right, so- surgeries right. that he had. Like, on e- it, was e- it was on either side of his shoulder issues. Like, he was good. He had the, the shoulder issues and Tommy John. He came back. Got- Tommy John's an elbow. Right, that's what I mean. I know it's an elbow. I'm saying he had that in the middle of all of that. I'm just giving Obviously. you shit. Because okay. I said shoulder slash elbow, and then you jumped into shoulder. Look, here's the thing. I'm quoting you. I love giving you shit. So continue I'm just your story. saying, I'm quoting you, and you're saying it like it's me. What the frick is going on here? You don't even know somebody's name. Besides the I've point. been drinking a lot. That's true. Thank God you're not driving anywhere. <sighs> I don't know that I'll What's make it up about the his... stairs to my bedroom. No, you're sleeping right on now. that couch. That's right behind you. You're sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Adam Wainwright, like his career has been so many, it's had so many dips and valleys in it, right? And he's always rebuilt and come back, right? He's one of like six players in the history of the game to have 200 wins and only play for one team at the major league level, like, and have a 20% are greater than uh, a 600% winning percentage. Um, like that's like, that's impressive. Like that's, there's a reason. And if you look at that list and that list is guys who are hall of famers. Like it's a, it's a good list. Um, and you look at the guys that are active right now with 200 wins, it's all guys that we say are future hall of famers. And the next two after it's, it's like Scherzer, um, Verlander, Kershaw, and I don't remember who the other two are, but they're they're Hall of Fame guys too. And the next two guys behind Wayno, so one of them is Johnny Cueto, who's 37, has 140. I hope that guy never makes it to the Hall of Fame. He's a he dirty player. Won't. Yeah. Also, he, won't. he should never be allowed to wear cleats again after he cleated our players. Continue. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not what we're not what we're talking about today, but accurate. <laughs> one game behind him is another player who I think is a dirty player in a different way, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is probably going to hit 200 if he stays healthy. He's 143. He's in his early-ish 30s. I don't know his exact age, but he's he's probably going to hit 200. But again, a Hall of Fame guy, right? I mean, if he, if he I... doesn't ever get confirmed to be cheating, which we all know he was, we can see it in his spin rates. Garrett Cole is one of those not a fan not a fan of yeah Cole. i'm not a fan i have one good thing to say about garrett cole you want to hear he what plays it is for someone else he costs someone else a lot of money 
way back when our buddy Carrie, who we shouted out in a previous episode, uh, started a fantasy baseball league that I managed to win. Do you know who the person who led me to the victory of that season was? Garrett Cole. That is the hmm. only good thing I have to say about Garrett Cole. Continue. I will say this. It is really cool. I do think I always think it is really cool when someone gets to play for their like team growing up. And he's gotten to do that with the Yankees. Um, I do think that that's a pretty cool thing. Bader got to do that before they cut him because, you know, they have no faith. But whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Wayno. <clears throat> this is about Wayno. Let's go yeah. back to Wayno. So he's had some amazing seasons. And, and I want to highlight the biggest potential Cy Young Rob of our generation. Right currently and that was 10 Lincecum winning over Wayno. Wayno should have won that Cy Young and the only reason he didn't is that there is a group of people out there that vo- have votes that decided that you know what we can only vote for one player from each team so they split their votes between Wayno and Carp. <clears throat> Wayno actually had the most first place oh. votes. Yeah. The only reason he lost that Cy Young is because people decided, well, I can't put you in my top five because I voted for Carpenter. Right. And yeah. that's to take nothing away from Chris Carpenter, who, by the way, is it's a legend. Bullshit. It's a bullshit but way to vote. It is. And it's one of those like stupid things where if you actually had the players or former players voting instead of media, right. you would never have that situation. What I would also like to think about with Chris Carpenter, by the way, while I'm talking about him, and I know we this has nothing to do with anything on our episode. So sorry, guys. There's two th- pieces to this story. So we beat the Phillies in 2011 in five games. That was the NLDS, by the way. So we beat him in five games, and game five was possibly one of the best pitchers duels I've ever seen in a playoff oh, game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Roy yeah. Halladay taking on Chris Carpenter. We end up getting a run off a Raphael for call triple Mm-hmm. followed by a sack fly yeah. and Chris were, Carpenter uh... made that stand pitched a complete game and right. Roy Halliday pitched the whole way too, only giving up that one run that I just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. They don't the they last don't out like of that, that game. There's the second piece I want to point out. There is a contingent, a very large contingent, I might add of Cardinals fans who said we should have traded Albert Pujols for Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, by the way, is a local kid, grew up in the St. Louis area, ended up playing in Philadelphia, won an MVP. Had The problem is, is in that 2011 NLDS Game 5, he tore his Achilles, ruptured his Achilles, coming out of the batter's box, was never the same player. I think yeah. if we trade Pujols for Ryan Howard, extend him, etc., he never touched Achilles. I think we're the better team for it. If I'm being 100 percent honest, well, I but mean, that's we're not gonna we don't need to rehash that. But I ju- I just want to highlight some things of the past Cardinals history. And so this isn't to argue, hey, shoulda, coulda, woulda. 
I just want to highlight, like, this was the thought. This is what ended up happening. Without, if that had happened, we never have that magical year we had last year. And if anybody who is listening remembers what happened the second half of last year with Pujols and breaking some home run records and doing certain things, absolutely magical. I'm not saying that was the best thing for him, but honestly, I don't think Pujols is still in the league if he stays with the National League team prior no. to that. No, I think, and I, we don't have time to go into this, but the Angels are a trash organization. They've ruined, they ruined Albert. They ruined, they wasted Trout. They've ruined Shohei as much as you can ruin a guy like Shohei, I guess. Like, like they killed Albert Pujols' love of the game. And he was pro- planning on retiring after 21, but they traded him midseason, or I guess they waived him, and then he got picked up, whatever, by the Dodgers. And then he went to L.A., and he L.A. Dodgers, cross town, and he's like, oh, hey, baseball's fun. I enjoy this. This is why I committed my life to this. And he started putting it together again. And then he came here, and, like, the first half of the year is kind of like, uh whatever but he got the end on a high note and that's what we've gotten to see with adam right these last two games is he's going out on a high note and i am they've already announced that he's not going to pitch in san diego like they're skipping his start so i don't know if he's going to be pitching for us um when he comes back there is a thought and i'm sure you've had it too because apparently he is lobbying to get to hit again and I'm just saying, we could do three games in a row where he is uh, de-aging, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm, I'm watching this second. You just led into my perfect, seg- perfect segue to what I was trying to flag you. So those of you who are watching saw me. I but did. I just those of you who weren't, it. here it is. On Sunday, his last game, the Cardinals' last game, his last game with the Cardinals. Would you rather okay. Adam Wainwright come in and pitch – and close out the game. No, I'd rather him hit. Or would you rather have him come in and pinch hit in like the sixth or seventh inning? Oh, no. No, I'd rather him DH. I'd rather him hit the entire freaking game. I don't even know why this is like a conversation right now. Look, and I have tickets to the game that he was lined up to start on Friday night, and I would really love it if he started and, and pitched, and I get it if he doesn't because, I mean, you – if you your have an extra shirt game. after that game, uh, I'll buy it off you. I probably won't get there in time to get one at all, but I know a guy. I mean, I my job is my no, that's job. Fine. I, I you know have to make money to you know pay for us to talk. Hey, about that's a great plug right now. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and follow for all of our future content, so that we can actually do shit that we want to do, like go to Cardinals games. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I might not get to see that. You only get one last game, and to end on a game like he got to end on, like I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him getting to end on that as a pitcher. Like, like, and anyone who says like, "Oh, I wanted to see him one more time," no, no, that that game was was the best we could have hoped for for him, and we don't need to see him anymore. Second, back to my answer to you though, Adam Wainwright's had a successful career. You know what he said is one of his. Uh, I guess, trophies or accomplishments that he's most proud of? Uh, being mentioned on this podcast? 
other than being mentioned on this podcast. We don't hand out trophies for that because <laughs> we do too many shout outs. I, I, you have to tell me. Silver Slugger. So, yeah, I want to see him go out there and I want to see him go three for three with a home run each time. That's what I want. You know, there was a season he not only won the Silver Slugger, but also the Gold Glove. Um, I want to throw out this here a little bit. There's a lot going on. And I love to see him go out on top. You said you're okay with him not starting another baseball game. I'm okay with him not pitching again. What do you feel about him coming in in relief to earn another save? What numbers he had on saves? I have absolutely no idea. Then I don't care. No, I'm okay if he never pitches again. I agree. I'm completely okay with that. This is about good I agree. I think... My thing is, if the last appearance of Adam Wainwright was vintage and Adam Wainwright, I will take it. And I say vintage. So you have to understand, and this is the evolution of Adam Wainwright as a pitcher. And this is something, the probably the thing that I appreciate more than most. Adam Wainwright not just evolved as a pitcher, as a pitcher, but he was able to move on so he came into the league as a start as a strikeout pitcher very much so but was able to evolve into a contact i'm you know the smarter veteran pitcher as his career went on and i think he doesn't get enough credit for that i heard so i was listening to the fast lane on 101 or not sorry the uh morning drive on 101 espn this Mm -hmm. morning and they were talking about pitchers and one of the uh questions was which pitcher had beat strider who is a phenomenal uh Mm -hmm. pitcher right now for the atlanta braves although i would like to point out that the cardinals lit him up which pitcher was the only atlanta pitcher to have more strikeouts in a season than him they had three pitchers in the 90s glavin (laughs) maddox and John Smoltz. Mm-hmm. We all know what Maddox did. What did Maddox do? Is that pitched a to contact. Question? Yeah. <laughs> Is it a rhetorical question? But he pitched a contact, right? So we know it wasn't Maddox. Also, who, the guy who was on the fight, I also want to point out that I texted into this and they did not pick me. I would have won had I played, but neither here nor there. John Smoltz, or excuse me, <clears throat> Maddox was a contact pitcher. Glavin did a mix of both. And I think I appreciated Glavin more than the other two in the mm-hmm. moment of the 90s. I loved watching Tom Glavin pitch because the guy could pitch to contact or he could strike somebody out and he would make his choice based on the pit, the hitter's tendencies. Right. John Smoltz that, uh... was an absolute dynamite strikeout pitcher. I knew what the answer was. It's going to be Smoltz. And it was. But the fact that that Wayno reminds me of Glavin. So Glavin in his prime was, I can strike you out or I can can pitch to contact. That was Wayno in his prime. Wayno's prime was, I can strike you out or I can pitch to contact. Wayno, as he got older, became Greg Maddox. He became the, 
I'm going to pitch to well, contact and I'm going to get you out that way. Well, it's not even always about pitching to contact, although he definitely wasn't like a heavy strikeout pitcher, but which I guess makes him a pitch to contact. But, um, you know, it was pitching smarter. It was, you know, getting the strikeouts when he needed them. So that way um, we could move through it. It was, it was making guys guess. It was changing speed and location and arm slots. Um, but, you know, what I was going to say, though, since you brought up the 90s Braves pitchers, you remember that fantastic commercial that they had with Mark McGuire? Was that 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 like that that commercial was perfect? It was just great, and I I love it. I just had it. I had to talk about it. Um, you want to know something else that kind of struck stood out to me? How fitting is it that Yachty, who pitched so many times with um, with Wayno, that Yachty? catches John Lester's 200th win who played for the Cubs and, and the Red Sox. Right. And yet it was Wilson Contreras who played so many games for the Cubs who caught Adams 200th win. Um, I just thought that that was, was fantastic. No, I agree. I think that's great stuff. And the other thing, and we talked about it last week is like how much, does it matter other than pride, right, to get to the 200th win? Because there's that thought out there by the sports writers who we've already, you know, bitched and moaned about tonight and how they screwed him out of a Cy Young, but that a lot of them think that he needs 200 wins to get in the Hall of Fame. And it's not even a lot because he's pitching at the simultaneously with so many pitchers who are are better. And that's there's nothing about that. It's not that he's not good. It's just there's a lot of really good pitchers over the last 10 years. Like a lot of really good pitchers. Um, Can I highlight something real quick? And I apologize. Yeah. I know this is going to take extra time, but if you talk, if you listen to the interviews with John Mozalek, uh-huh. the one regret he has is not signing Max Scherzer, who, by the way, is a hometown kid. Right. Right. And he will not admit to missing on much. But that is the one miss he will admit to. And everyone agrees with him. Um, but yeah, so for him to get in, I think he's going to have to be uh, the year ahead of Scherzer, in, at least, and Verlander and Kershaw. And I don't know what those guys have planned for after this year. Um, but if they retire this year, if any of them retire, it's going to screw Wayno. He's got to go in before them. Otherwise, he's not going to make it because he's just going to be compared to them. Um, Does Wayno's country music career it gets, him in. gets him in? Count extra? Yeah, you think it does? Gets him in. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, the other thing, too, as far as stats go, is we talked last week about how it impacted his ERA. But the other thing that I think the writers will heavily emphasize uh, with all players is their WAR, their wins above replacement. So, for those of you who are listening who are maybe not as big of the stat nerds of baseball like we are uh wins above replacement is literally what it says how many wins did you earn for your team above what a replacement level player would would earn and what's unfortunate about this year for wayno is that it actually cost him and that and he already did not have a lot 
but he actually lost some of that. I think about two, 2.0 war this year. And that puts him at like 44 and it doesn't, it doesn't stack well um, to a lot of the other great pitchers. Um, so I don't know. I'm already anxious about it, but I'm going to just forget about it. I'm going to move on. I'm just going to be thankful for the time that we had with him. Um, you know, we got to watch the last like 15 years of him and Yachty being, you know, the leaders and the captains of this team. And we've just been so lucky to have gotten that, you know? I agree. I think it's interesting to think about Yachty as the captain of the team and really kind of the leader of the team. Contreras being able to catch that win number 200 is amazing. But thinking about Yachty truly captaining the team and leading things the way they go uh, kind of makes me think about the Blues and how they've decided to decided to or not deciding to uh, declare a captain. And they finally made up their mind. And we talked about this in our previous podcast, but Braden Chen was really talked about it, you know, in our podcast and other places as the clear cut for the, the team captain. And surprisingly, <laughs> or not so much, Braden Shin was named the captain of the St. Louis Blues for this upcoming season. Something that I would like to highlight here, though, is they talked a lot about Robert Thomas being the Hey, I see, you know, when they signed him to that eight million eight million a year contract, he could be the captain of the future. He was named an assistant captain this year, along with Pareko, and I'm blanking on the third. I did not actually open it up to see who the assistants were. So I just read the headline so, of Shin and was like, oh, well, they obviously listen to our podcast. So 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 there there is a third, and I'll pull it up before we're done here in just a quick minute. But the blues opened up camp we're we're rolling now and, and i'm excited about what the blues have to offer this season one of the things that i really want to think about is so Braden Braden shin has been a leader in the locker room he's been a leader on the ice for years there was two players who got giant contracts last year and two players who did not how much do you feel like that played into the reported divide in the locker room? And the two players we're talking about that did are Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas got identical contracts. There's players who did not. We're talking about the previous captain, Ryan O'Reilly. And we're talking about the former first round draft pick, Vladimir Tarasenko. Do you feel like that fed into the reported divide in the locker room? Yeah, I mean, so first off, uh, Justin Falk was the other assistant. Um, so good job. You got two out of three. That's, I mean, it was better than I could have done. I could have only named uh, Pareko. So you got me there. Um, I mean, that's that's an issue with every team in every sport in, in the world, right? Everyone, you know, supposedly, not that this is a uh, soccer episode, but like supposedly that that's the kind of thing that was like disrupting Toronto FC this year in MLS, right. Is this disgruntledness over pay and stuff like that. Um, or one of many contributing factors. I mean, that's, that's always an issue, especially with guys who perceive themselves to be better to have, you know, shown that they deserve it more. Um, and, and I mean, you know, Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko are, are guys who have definitely can make the case that they've, 
earned every penny and deserve a lot of money, you know, for their ability and their performance. So, I mean, I wouldn't discount it. I wouldn't throw it out. I would say like, like it tracks, right? I agree. I think again, early in the season, you hear that these two guys got this, these two giant contracts these players know how much money is available. They know what's available to them or what they might get. And when they hear those contracts, they know that they're they're done. This is their last season. Right. And I think that in itself really hurt the Blues and the locker room and things that they had going for them. <clears throat> I think Craig Berube is 100% the right coach for the Blues right now. <clears throat> there are people out there who think, oh, well, we need to change it, coach. There's a reason we won the Stanley Cup under Berube. I think Berube continues to lead us. I think he's going to be a great coach for us. I think he's going to continue to support us. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm the the thing that Berube. we need as a Blues squad is the evolution of players like that we're paying big money, like Kyrou and Robert Thomas. So I was listening to the fast lane, uh, and I was listening to Jamie Rivers more to, to single him out, Jamie Rivers, by the way, has been named the new analyst for Bally Sports West. So he's still helping with the 101 ESPN, the fast lane, but he's also um, moving into a analyst role with the Blues. And and he highlighted that he's he you know he worked worked under a player or worked with mm-hmm. a player with the Red Wings who really truly needed, you know, was scoring 130, 150 point seasons, wasn't even getting close to Stanley cup. All of a sudden we decided, you know what? I need to stop selling out for goals and points and be a two way player. And all of a sudden the Red Wings started winning. And I think that that is the biggest takeaway for me is somebody and, and and not just anybody, but somebody who has the respect of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo needs to sit these two players down and remind them that, look, you've got your contract. You've got the money. You're ready mm-hmm. to go. How do you two manage to play a two-way game that translates into not just playoff success, but Stanley Cup, potentially Stanley Cup success in the future? I think they have it in them, especially Robert Thomas. If I'm being honest, I have less confidence in Jordan Cairo. Um, but you have players like Pavel Buchnevich, who I think are greatly underrated for what they do. And I think that they're going to be, you know, especially Pavel Buchnevich, he's going to be a huge player for this season. I think it'll be interesting with the Tory Krug foot injury that we highlighted a couple episodes ago we're going to have the opportunity to see a couple of the younger players and really truly understand what we have on that, that back six and kind of moving forward. Do you have any other thoughts on the blues before we uh, wrap this up? No, not particularly. I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I'm definitely excited to get to watch how they do. Um, I think, you know, we've said it several times. We need a lot of the younger guys to step up. Like obviously last year we, we were sellers, you know, we got rid of a lot of experience, a lot of veterans, and and this is an opportunity for the younger guys to to show, like, yes, this is why we moved on from those players. It's because we're ready, and it's our team, and we're going to do this. You know, this is St. Louis Blues hockey. We have high expectations, 
and it's time to, to live up to that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get to watch it, but we do get to start watching it this weekend if we want to or if we're able to. Uh, preseason actually starts on Saturday at 2 p.m. against Arizona. So all of this time, all this talk that we've been doing about how we are going to have to see how they do, that's starting like like basically now. In fact, when you're listening to this, that game will have already been played. So you will already know <laughs> how they looked possibly. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's a great highlight and a great call out. And it's, we are starting the preseason. You need If you are a huge Blues Hockeys fan, now is the time for you. You need to be logging in. You need to be watching. You need to be seeing what's going on. And more importantly, you need to be liking, subscribing, and commenting on our videos so that we can continue those conversations and, and highlight what you want to see, highlight what you want to hear about. I have no problem watching extra blues games, doing extra deep dives and things. If you guys have players or comments or things that you guys want me to us to do, I'm sure John has also has no reservations on doing deeper dives. I'm not going to speak for him because, you know, sometimes he can be a, a little bit, uh, you know what? I won't say it and it's fine. And so we'll uh, carry on and we'll continue to put out good stuff, but, if you guys love and like our content that we're putting out, we'd appreciate if you guys would like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, where we are both we're available there. We look forward to seeing you and follow us on Instagram and, and Facebook for additional posts and content media. If you guys see anything coming up or you guys have extra things you want to hear about, don't don't hesitate to message us and reach out. We look forward to seeing you and stay tuned because we have a episode soon coming to coming your way. Thank you. Have a good night.